I'm Mike Vardy. Meal planning is important because it prevents us from being a disappointed wreck when dinner time comes around and we have no clue what to make or even if we have the ingredients to make the meal. It's a time and a money saver, but most importantly, it frees up valuable brain space. Creating a meal plan prepares us for the week to come and gives us peace of mind that we're organized and can feed ourselves and our family. That's why I do it and that's why Plan to Eat helps me do it. Your subscription includes access to the Plan to Eat website and fully featured mobile apps on iOS and Android. And Plan to Eat gives you the tools to clip and organize recipes from any website, the ones your family loves and that fit your dietary preferences and needs. And you can create a meal plan around your schedule. Then what happens is the Plan to Eat software automatically creates an organized shopping list based on your plan. So sign up for your free trial at plantoeat.com slash timecrafting. That's plantoeat.com forward slash timecrafting. The coupon will be automatically applied to your account and can be used when you're ready to subscribe. It's valid for new customers only. Give Plan to Eat a try today. And this is the Productivityist Podcast. Welcome to the Productivityist Podcast. I am your host, Mike Vardy, and this week on the show... We have Dave Navot from Hubstaff. He is the co-founder of Hubstaff, and we talk about the idea of him pivoting in businesses because he's had several things that he's done throughout his career. We also talk about the idea of distraction and disruption and how he wards those off and what he does to keep that from uh, not just infiltrating himself, but how he looks at helping others with that process as well. It's an interesting episode. It's not a terribly long one either, so you're going to be able to get through this in one sitting fairly easily. So let's just dive right into it. Here is my discussion with Dave Navot from Hubstaff on the Productivity is Podcast. Enjoy. I'd like to welcome Dave Navot to the podcast. Dave, thanks for joining me this week. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. So Dave, you are you are the you, you you're, you're 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 the founder of Hubstaff, aren't you? Yeah, co-founder. Yeah, we've got a part one partner. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And one of the things that 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 uh, we were as we went back and forth, and literally we went back and forth about this uh, yesterday, uh, to be to be absolutely upfront with everyone listening here is is we I, I didn't want to dive too much into remote company and remote working right off the right off the bat when we start talking about it. because I know that there's there's definite values there in terms of remote working and, and telecommuting but what interested me about uh, about you is the way that you are able to ward off distractions and disruptions in in, in in a really interesting way you're very upfront about it but before we dive into that why don't you tell people a little bit about yourself because some people here may not know much about you and what your background is and what led you to do what you are doing now yeah, sure thing. So I'm uh, 36. Um, ever since I graduated college uh, back in 2003, I've been doing web entrepreneur businesses. This is like my third business now. Um, so I've had a few multi-million dollar businesses, and um, I've I've done that a lot of you know the way through those distraction avoiding techniques that I'll talk about, um, and. Um, you know, I'm doing Hubstaff now. I've been in e-commerce. I've been in SEO. I've been in services businesses. I've been in uh, now Hubstaff, which is a SaaS-based time tracking uh, company that really has a lot to do uh, with productivity itself. So, quick, quick aside: what has propelled you to move? Like, because it seems like while you've 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 done a lot, they seem to be they don't seem to be too 
de- they don't deviate too much from, from yeah. the different. What what propels you to? I mean, how long have you been moving from? I wouldn't say moving, but transitioning. Like, how do you how do you handle that kind of transition to say, okay, I'm pivoting from here to here, and and, and here's what I can apply from the past, and and here's why I'm doing this now. Like, what what drives you to do that? Because it's always fascinated me to see people. Like, yeah, I've started four companies, and and I had a couple exit strategies here and there, and I'm like, wow, like. I, I'm I'm just happy to be in one place for a significant right. period of time. Yeah, right. Well, you know the thing is, so um, I I got a job out of college. Uh, I worked there for I didn't include this in the bio, but basically I worked there for about a year, and I just hated it. It was an office job up in Chicago, and basically it was just it wasn't for me. And so I started this business on the side. It took off, did very very well. Uh, kind of the right place, right right time kind of situation. Um, e-commerce golf instruction. So that's, that was the business. Um, I learned how to do pay-per-click advertising, basically learned how to, how to do copywriting and driving traffic and that kind of thing, everything marketing online. Um, 2000, I had run that business for about, I don't know, six or seven years and it just got tiring. It just got really tiring. I mean, you can only do the same thing for so long before, I didn't find that there was a lot of ways I could expand. I had produced 25 DVDs. I had written every line of copy that you could possibly write about golf instruction, improving your golf game. Um, I, there just wasn't – I had three golf pros. We sold every training aid you could think of. There wasn't a lot of room out for it to really expand. And there was a real – I felt like there was a cap on the business. Right. Uh, so what I decided to do was I, I kind of – I wanted to get into software, but I'm not a developer. So basically, I had to we I, I we bought I, an opportunity came about. I put the golf company up for sale. Uh, in the in in the course of selling that business, I actually met um, a group of, of investors that was looking to buy the golf business. We didn't buy the golf business. They didn't buy the golf business, but we ended up partnering on another deal. We bought the, um, a services based company, SEO services based company. Um, so it was kind of a natural progression to that, but I knew I wanted to get into software. They offered me the ability to actually run the company um, and take a salary. So I did that uh, for about three years. I learned software, and in the course of that, um, I started Hubstaff SEO. Kind of, I don't know if you know much about it, but it basically, you know, it it kind of died out. So let's talk about the the idea of warding off distractions and disruptions because if you're if you're you're driven i mean and anyone who really wants to achieve they need to kind of if they're driven they need to keep their eye on the ball so when we were chatting about this via email you said you know you're you're very you're diehard on keeping your head down and just not getting interrupted right yet you you obviously are connecting with people like how do you because I get a lot of people that say oh I can't do that you know like I can't close email I can't I have to be available at all times mm-hmm. and it just fascinates me that that people can't sh- get their head wrapped around um, and I'm not saying all people in a general sense that 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 they feel that they need to be connected all the time how do you keep yourself from getting interrupted when you're focusing on a particular task like how how do you how do you manage to be so ruthless about it. Yeah, well, you know, you got to start, you know, at the top, I think. And, you know, I think that at when I say the top, I mean that basically I have my set of goals in my life and in my business. And those are the only things that really should matter unless it's like, you know, a major fire that takes place, right? That, mm-hmm. that you just have to pay attention to or whatever that somebody knocking down your door. But, you know, I have things, you have distractions. I mean, I've got distractions with 
you know, I work from home. I've got my wife needs things. My kids need things. Uh, my partner needs things. My, um, my employees need things. Everyone needs something from you. But I think the thing is, is setting up them, everyone up, uh, when I, and let's just talk about business for a while, I guess, mm-hmm. is, you know, basically setting them up for success and making sure that they have what they need ahead of time before they have to distract or ask questions, that kind of thing. So that's a big part of it. And then the other thing is that knowing that you're on the right path or at least having a really good plan set in place so that you feel good about what you're accomplishing. Because a lot of the problem with entrepreneurship, I think, is like the one of the hardest things is knowing if you're going down the right path or not. And so really all you can do is lay out a plan, work, spend time to lay out that plan, develop that plan, and then just feel good about executing that plan. And the whole thing is, you know, you got to build that plan so that you are working hard every day to, you know, in other words, it can't be easily accomplished, right? You have to work very hard to accomplish it. And my team, you know, I've got a team, I think of 10 on the marketing and support side. So we have the goals laid out that we're setting to accomplish. Everyone is driving towards their own uh, portion of that goal, you know, with their tasks, I have the tasks laid out ahead of time. So, um, for the week, everyone knows what they have to do. Um, I spend time to describe the tasks, uh, that they are going to do. I get their buy-in before the quarter even starts that this plan is correct. And, you know, if you have all that in place, if you think about it, it gets a lot more easy to go offline for a few days because you know your team is accomplishing right the correct goals and the correct tasks. And so you know there was a long time in my career where I didn't have that and I was going by the fly and that's a lot harder way to live because then you are reactive to everything. Does that make sense? Totally, totally. And I think that's what a lot of people they get and it's interesting you talk about this in your book and I'll put the show notes the uh, the the remote team management book that you got over at Hubstaff. And, you know, uh, the, the 50,000 foot view, you know, that, that idea of, um, it's easier to stay on point when you keep that, keep that in mind. Most people right. get stuck in the day to day to day, and they're just checking off as many boxes as possible throughout the day. But this, you know, I, I think that that's something they get sorely missed. So how do you, how do you not only teach, like, how do you teach others to do this? Because I mean, you're working with, with, in your company, you've got some people that you're working with. Everyone's remote, right? With Hubstaff. There's not, there's not an office per se that they go to. Correct. So how do you, how do you instill this with, with them? So, because really as a leader, you're, you're trying to foster that kind of uh, process or workflow more than anything else. How do you do that? I don't worry about it too much, to be honest. I don't worry about that. I don't think, so we have, um, let's just call it 10 on the development side and 10 on the sure. marketing support side, 10 on the operations side. So we have, uh, uh, let's just call it a group of 20 people working towards uh, producing the best product we can produce. I don't think that anybody, you know, uh, in the company worries about fostering the relation or the, fostering the, um, I guess you would say the environment or the ability to put heads down and go for it in terms of uh, getting the job done at Hubstaff. Like, and the reason why is because it's pretty simple in my eyes. Like somebody has a set of, let's say, five tasks for that week, five, six large tasks for that week. Um, and obviously, you've got to take into account the time that it would take to get those tasks done. But at the end of the day, that, that job is either done or not done. After we've agreed, I agree with every person 
uh, on the team ahead of time, you know, is this accomplishable? Sometimes it could be that it takes 25 hours to do this and there's other tasks going on. Sometimes it might be that there's, you know, it takes 45, 50 hours to do this and they just didn't get it done because it was too much time. But I think the point is that, you know, we got close to accomplishing it. Um, and so I don't worry about the day to day kind of stuff. It's either the job gets done or it doesn't. If it gets done, then I know, then I then I feel good about you know that person. Obviously, if there was a span of many weeks at a time where things just just went off the rails, you know um, that would be right. an issue for me. But that really doesn't happen. We require uh, daily check ins too. So that's another part of the process. So we require like we have a daily stand up meeting at nine thirty a.m. East and basically. Um, during that meeting, it's, it's not everyone's present. You don't have to be present, uh, actively communicating, but basically you just need to report your results. And by that, there's like four questions that I have, um, them answered. Basically it's like, what did you do, uh, today or yesterday? What do you plan on doing today? So it's basically, what do you do for the last 24 hours? What do you, what do you plan on doing for the next 24 hours? Is your task list on track? Yes or no, and if not, why not? So, by doing that, it forces that forward communication so that we can attack that right there at the time, and not let things go until the end of the week and say, "Well, you know, it just didn't get done or whatever." Right? You know what I'm saying? When you, uh, it's interesting you bring up this this idea of of the of the four questions to start off the day. Do you spend time at the end of the day, kind of? Uh, I'll use the term reviewing or reflecting or even journaling, chronicling what you did so that you're well prepared for those as well. Or do you, do you just kind of, uh, I did for a long time I did. And basically what, what I, what I've learned is that I do have tasks that I need to get done, but really my life is almost like a project Mm -hmm. manager now. You know, I don't really, I I don't, I, I go in many different directions that, that it's not it's a little bit different than than um so I could easily report what I did, but I just keep that in the Google Doc and basically I've got, you know, uh a, a to-do list and I just knock those things off and move them down to the done list. So I do have a record of what I do. It's I think it's a very important to keep a record of what you did. Um just for everybody's accountability, you know, yourself, uh anybody that asks you, you know, and, and just your team. So I've got a Google Doc that's public that everyone can see, but I don't go through and report it at 9.30. Now, what do you do in terms of – you talk about like no going and checking email. Do you have a, a tool put in place or did you just take a lot of time? Because some people do that. They'll use a tool like Freedom or something like that or do yeah. you just – you've built it in, ingrained it so much that you just know that email isn't something that you check when you're in a focused period of work. Like how do you, how do you mitigate that? Yeah, I mean that's that, – yeah, that's it. I mean I just basically – so my phone's always on silent. I don't get many phone calls these I don't days. Think many right people make I don't phone get calls many calls these days. <laughs> right. Maybe like maybe like two one or two a day. I don't know. Maybe I'm underestimating. But I mean my phone's on silent, right? So I don't get any uh even text alerts, no kind of, you know, alerts, uh, no sound. And the phone is generally kind of face down. I don't look at my phone. So that's number one. Um and then like if I'm looking – if I'm doing something like writing copy or I'm doing something like making a video, if I'm doing something that requires you know, a lot of thought, uh, like on this podcast, for example, you sign out of everything. Yep. You, know, you just sign out of Slack, Skype, uh, close the email box. I mean and that's it. You know? And then I just get my work done and I open back up. And I think you know, in my marketing team, 
I don't let much go through email. Everything generally goes through, um, you know, Slack is a, a part of it. Uh, Skype has kind of got pushed to the side. But then also, you know, we have a project management system. Uh, we used to use Trello. It's all pretty much the same. Basically, an email gets sent to your inbox. Well, we have our we, we, we're building our own tool. Yeah, we're building our own tool. So it's 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 similar though. It's a Kanban style, um, visual kind of drag and drop project management system. And um, you know, uh, but the key to that is that yes, you get an e- an email in your inbox, but like it doesn't matter if I respond to it. An hour. That's what I've learned. It doesn't matter if I respond to it an hour or a half later. As long as I have, again, things go back to giving your team those tasks ahead of time. As long as, I don't, as long as my team can move on and they can work on a different task, then they shouldn't need my response immediately. Have you had to work with – I mean because, again, you're working remotely with people. Have you had to set a s- step aside and say to people, okay, look, I, I see that you're getting constantly distracted or I hear that you're – you're, you know, you're, you're not getting those tasks done because I, I'm, I hear this a lot too. Is that well, I didn't get it all done today because I didn't have time. I didn't have time as a classic result. And, you know, I mean, so do yes. you say, well, do you offer, do you try to mentor them in a certain respect, or do you just say, hey, here's some of the, here's a, here's a sheet that that walks through my workflow, or, or because I mean, yeah, yeah. Okay, so there's two things. Uh, I'll give an, I'll give an example, a concrete example, like, and then I'll tell you what I think is. A smart way to handle it. So, one of my employees uh, last, I think it was last week, you know, marked down that he had um, a meeting with a software company, and it was um, a content marketing software comp- software that did something. I, f- I forget what it even did. Re- reached out automatically to influencers, mm-hmm. call it something like that. You know, and you get the typical email. Hey, let me walk you through what we do. Yeah. Kind of a sales email. You know, and he had his agenda. You know, hey, I want to I want to follow up with this guy and get a demo. But that's like an hour of his time. And so I wrote back to him and I said, Look, is was this on your agenda or was this mm. on his agenda? Was this, whose agenda was this on? Because if this, and it, you know, if if it's on your agenda to to find a tool to help your jo- to do your job more effectively, then that's awesome. Go for it. But if it's on some, but if it's somebody else's agenda, and you're now bending and and breaking your time commitments based on and letting somebody else infiltrate your schedule, that's not a good idea. And it ended up that you know it made sense to him, and he never, you know, he ran out of time basically, and they never did the demo. But um, then that, that's my rule of thumb, really, is like don't let somebody else, you know, inflict their agenda on you. I think that that happens a lot. Uh, now let's dive into you know what's going on with with Hubstaff because um, you know I talked to Jared Brown. Uh, I'll, I'll put a link to that in the show notes. That was uh, quite a while ago, actually. Now it was uh, yeah, we're looking at geez, uh at least eight months ago. Um, and, and so uh, since then, obviously, some stuff has changed. Um, you guys are are basically. Like you said, you provide time tracking, you provide remote te- support for remote teams really is what it boils down to, right? And yep. and so what's been going on there in terms of like you guys have been – there's an, there's an area where I feel that, that this has got a lot of growth potential despite the fact that you've heard some blowback about the remote worker, you know, like, you know, what's – they need to be present so that you know they're doing work and so on and so forth. I was just li- listening to Scott Adams's book on Audible, and he talked about how um, managers need to get uh, with the program that performance matters over attendance. 
if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm sure in your, your yep. world it does. So what's been going on? Like, what trends are you seeing in terms of remote working that, you know, are, 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 um, are kind of a, uh, you're feeling are, are fantastic. And then others that you're like, you're, you're finding are a bit cautionary. Well, I guess it's, you know, that's a, a big a, question. I guess, a <laughs> inner, yeah, exactly. I'm trying to think about how to answer that one. Um, I don't think there's, I don't think there's a huge difference between remote. I think everything's going in the fa- mm. in favor of remote. I think that even if you have, um, I think it's been proven that you can build a successful company without having, somebody right next to you or looking over their shoulder. Um, I think that if you do a lot of the stuff that, you know, like I talked, I would do the, 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 the management, um, techniques that I talked about earlier in the show. Uh, I would run a company the same exact way. I think if I had a uh, hundred people in my office, you know, and I had an office and everyone came in with suits and ties on that kind of thing, you know, I would kind of feel the same way. Uh, about running a company. I don't think I would do it in a different – and the technology I think is is one thing that's great now. I think the it, technology has enabled people to work together globally. Uh, we have a lot of people uh, in Eastern Europe. We have people in India. Um, and you know, it doesn't make any difference to me honestly where they're at in the whole entire world. And, and even looking back like five years ago, that just wouldn't have happened. So I think that there's been huge growth in terms of that both being able to find great people all around the world um, and then also work with them through technology um, in a way that is just as productive as somebody sitting right here. I'm from Indianapolis, but right here in the Midwest, Mm -hmm. you know, and I think that's really amazing. And that's something that I think Hubstaff has taken advantage of. And I think that that that's really our goal is helping other companies take advantage of that same um, way of doing business. One of the things that I, I wanted to ask you about is is with, with Hubstaff, you get a lot of quantitative data, right, which I think is really important with productivity. How how do you kind of strike a balance between – and this I can speak to this with, with your own company as well – qualitative productivity and quantitative productivity because mm-hmm. quantitative productivity to me seems getting um, – at first blush is how much stuff did you get done today, period. And and then the qualitative yeah. productivity is how much of the stuff that really matters did you get done today? How do you strike a balance between and does right. you know how do you make that that because I mean I'll go into a company and they'll say uh, they'll say we'd love to have you as a coach great and they go well how much how much is our productivity going to increase by us you know by you coaching us and it's such a subjective question right, <laughs> right. so how how do you be, how do you yeah. strike that balance because you if you go too far in one direction you're not productive. In my company, you know, I would say that I I don't think that really anybody works on things that don't matter. I think that what we've done, I think what we've gotten right is that people are doing the right things. That's so important, and it, I think it's I think with the remote company uh, specifically, setting priorities uh, is something that almost all managers get wrong, and it's something that we've gotten right. And like, it's an easy thing, but it takes time for the manager. And it, you know, it's a, it's, so it's hard to, to, it's hard to even know. I think, I think like a lot of remote companies wouldn't even like they they wouldn't even know if you ask managers what so-and-so was doing today, they wouldn't even really fully understand what they were doing. They could say on a very high level, oh, she's doing social media, but 
like what aspects of social media. They don't really get involved in the day-to-day um, or at least to the point where they're setting the exact priorities somebody should be working on. Um, so that's, you know, that, I think that's first and foremost, setting the right priorities and, you know, have, executing to your plan to make sure that your plan includes the right things. And so, like I said before, doing, working on the right things is, I think, so important. And basically, we do that through, um, through basically uh, understanding what the constraints are in our business. That's how we kind of like determine what we should be working on is, is looking at the constraints in the business and then trying to push those constraints back and open up the funnels. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. wider. So that's how we kind of decide what we're going to do in the first place, and then, um, and then like the what did they get done? That is done through the daily standups and that kind of thing. We do get other data in place, like you know, we have screenshots, we have activity levels, we have you know the amount of hours they spent on each individual task. So all that stuff is done automatically with our software. That is super quantitative data, and. That's the kind of stuff that you kind of like – you check the box on somebody, then you don't really worry about mm-hmm. it going forward. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Like you just understand this person's productive. Okay. We know they're productive. We know how they work and now move on to the, to the more qualitative kind of stuff. That's that's the way we do it. How do you encourage uh, businesses when you when you because you can, you can obviously assess some of this stuff and you've done enough work with your own businesses. How do you How do you kind of – focus or or get businesses to kind of focus on setting the right kind of priorities or taking time to do that in the first place. Yeah. Well, that's a big, so that's something that we don't really do too much about. Like that would be, that's something that we would do like through content marketing or like a- it's, 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 it's more I'm, I'm, what I, what I guess I'm trying to say is, is the data that you, that you provide kind of can lend itself to kind of making it apparent that those priorities yes. are there. So do you, 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 you'd shed some light on that. I would imagine at the very least. Yeah. And what we're looking to do is, well, you know, our ultimate goal is to kind of build everything we're, we're, that we've mm-hmm. been talking about this, the kind of the, the weekly list, the goals, all these different things, we're actually building that into the software as well. So it won't be for a while, but our, our kind of long-term plan is to build that stuff into the software so that other so that the software will actually help others adopt that those methods, if that makes any sense. Because right now it's just, you know, they can use the software how they want to use it. But we're trying to put some structure in place around the software so that they can you know, get a better sense of, of those management kind of principles. Makes total sense. Now, before we wrap up, uh, I want to just ask you uh, to share with my listeners one thing they could start doing right now that will help them uh, not just not, not, not to set priorities or anything like that, but just to get more focused time to themselves, get that, you know, eliminate some of those distractions and just one simple thing that they could start doing that you did and it paid off in a, in a big way. You know, I think that if you could find somebody else, and this is this is a kind of a large one, but if you could find somebody else, even on a I think everyone thinks that you've got to when you're looking to get somebody on board to help with your company, to help delegate tasks to things, it, they get caught up with like, oh, I'm not ready to pay somebody, you know, a full time wage to um do some of these tasks. And I think that if you would 
look at yourself and what you're doing on a daily basis. And, and lots of times people get basically distracted by the things that are small and that and and because they're the things that need to get done on a daily basis. So anything recurring that you basically have to do, uh, document it in a Google document or a Word document, whatever it is. Uh, we use a lot of video screen sharing tools um, like uh, Monosnap's a good one. Jing is a good one. Record it in any way you can record it. Document it, blueprint it, and then get somebody else to do that task. It takes a little bit of um, – it's a little bit of a leap to do that. But you don't have to pay somebody full-time to do it. Get somebody on an hourly basis to do that task. And what that does is I think it, it opens you up to do the things that are bigger you know, in your, in your daily routine. It's it's one of the things I've started to do, um, and it, it was hard because I do have an assistant, but the, Melissa may not always be my assistant, you know. So whenever I record a video, I use ScreenFlow for that. Right. Uh, I have to say, "Hi, this is how you do this." Like I have to be very um, generalized yeah. and assume nothing. And that's the other right. thing is assume nothing, right? I would imagine. Yes, I mean, because totally. if you, the cool thing is, is and I was talking to um, Nick Snap about this on one of the Patreon episodes. He talked about how he outsourced his emails. Is he actually recorded uh, out like just a whole email session of himself walking through how he dealt with yeah. email? And that's a bit more personalized. That's a huge leap because he's based. That's a huge that one a because leap. he's saying to this this individual, "I want you to emulate what I do," and. And it's right. it's funny. My my wife does a lot of help with the business as well. But one thing I won't, I just don't like her doing is email because we have very different cadence mm. when we email. You know, like I'm right. I'm a writer. Yeah. She replies quickly with curt responses, right? And so exactly. it's very challenging to to, uh, and you just have to be okay with that. So so for me, I think that, and and I guess this is another quick question we can talk about is is. Finding like being okay if if this person or these the the if they're not right for that particular task uh, or that particular that's fine you take ownership of it if that's what you want until you find somebody else or give them something else to do because just seeing the freedom that yeah. they're giving you is it's contagious I think right right yeah I I read a book by Peter Drucker and basically it was about kind of like time. Um, management more or less and what he said and, and you know his whole thing is you know just general management but you know like his big thing was like you know give somebody don't play to somebody's weakness don't assign tasks based on what you have open look what their strength is and assign them that task because you know he went through all the famous like war generals and all the famous it's like everyone has a a really negative um, uh, side to them or neg or, or call them just whatever non strengths, but don't let that dissuade you. If they have a very positive uh, strength as well, if they're very good at one thing, give them that and let them fly with that one thing, you know? So just a small example, but um, it, and that's if you have somebody, for example, like your wife that is going to be involved and you, you want to get rid of your emails, but she doesn't, but that's not a match. Yes, find something that's her strength and let her go with that, you know, because that still gives you freedom. And again, when you're dealing with, like, again, my wife is, we, we actually have more than just a business relationship, obviously. So you want to be cautious about that as well. That's where uh, 
you know, that's where you can getting remote workers can be really helpful because, you know, there's no, there's that emotional attachment isn't necessarily there too, which is I think important, especially when you're, right. you know, especially if, if, if you're uh, dealing with you know some of the tasks that you don't necessarily want to do, yeah. it's not, my wife likes to do the administrative stuff, which is great. Cause I hate doing that stuff. Yeah. And the key, the key there, the whole, the whole key though, just to mm-hmm. summarize my answer, it's like, yeah. documentation that's the thing documentation and then hand it off because once you have it documented you can go through if you have a failure uh this person fails this person fails this person fails it's okay because that document is like the the key to your success because it's your library go to your library get it documented and then basically find you'll find the right person and, and how uh do you think that people should be doing this kind of thing um you know as soon as they find something that that What's the trigger for them? You know, I mean, for me, what's so, the trigger? Because I think a lot of people go, well, that's going to take too much time and I could do it. The, the trap of always, I can do uh, it fast. Yeah. I'll just do it myself. Yeah, no, but the thing is, is that you've got to think about the best case scenario, in which is that, like, I'll give you an example. Like, we had a, we had a staffing side to Hubstaff for a while and it was just, it, I mean, it was complex because I had, we had to collect money. We had to then pay out. Uh, people based on the rates that they were paid. We had to make sure that we had collected the money, then we're paying out. So there was a lot of things going on there. We were doing it. We didn't want to build software to, to run all this stuff. So we we're kind of doing it with like a Google Doc and like sending money through PayPal. So there was a lot of steps in the process. Um, and man, I was like, it was taking like, you know, maybe an hour and a half of every Monday for me. So I just documented it one day and I was like, Danny, you got to, you got to do this. And so he took it over. And really, like since then, I've been able to forget about it. Yes, it was complex at the time for me. And yes, it was almost easier to just do it versus, you know, building the documentation and training. But like if you get the right person involved, like and I don't even think about it now. So going back to the old way of doing things would be just Editing this insane. podcast is a great yeah. example. I used to edit the podcast myself. I still like doing it. But there are other things, and that's the other thing I think it's hard for people is, but I like doing it. Yeah, but here's the thing is that for me, uh, I found out that I, there's things I love doing. Chris Ducker talks about this, you know, the things you, you hate doing, the things that you like doing, but other people could do, and then the things you like doing that only you can do. And, and, and that yeah, middle right. column is the tricky one. And I mean, now that John Polster produces the show, uh, I just record, I record all, and then he takes, I give him the files, he produces it, and... Uh, you know, the one thing I'm, and now I'm trying to outsource the other things like the show notes and things like that, because yeah. once you start, like I said, it becomes contagious and you get to do more of the things that really only you can do. Yeah. And I'll, and I'll just end with this. I know you're going to wrap up here, but I'll, mm-hmm. I'll just end with this one thing. Basically when you get, cause this is really important. I think when you get, when you, when you're able to outsource some of this stuff and you're able to forget about it. That clears up your mind, which breeds, I think, creativity. And when creativity hits, that's when I think you you are able to basically create some value for the world, put it. And that's when you're going to get repaid. Totally. You know, that's the way I look at it. When you're creating value for the world, that's when it's going to come back to you. So you can't do that if you're like stuck in admin yeah. tasks all day long. You've got to have your mind clear. Totally. Dave, this has been great. Uh, where can people find you online so that they can uh, dig into more of what you're doing and find out more about Hubstaff? Yeah, so it's just my email address, Dave at Hubstaff.com. Uh, at Hubstaff is our um, is our Twitter handle. Um, 
I write a, a I'm like a marketing blog. It's blog.hubstaff.com forward slash grow. So that's all my growth articles on on how I've grown the business. And that's about it, really. Um, in terms of contact details. Awesome. Dean, thanks for joining me this week on the Productivity Podcast. All right. Thank you so much. I'd like to thank Dave Navote for joining me this week on the show. Of course, you can see all of the show notes and review them and all that through your podcast catcher of choice or on the blog post because we do publish these on the blog as well. Now, if you enjoyed the show, I'd love to hear from you. You can leave feedback through a rating or review or both in iTunes. That would be really helpful. It helps people find the show and also helps me make the show better. You could also drop me a line at podcast at productivityist.com if you want to give more direct feedback that way. If you like the show, please subscribe. Subscribe in iTunes, subscribe in Stitcher, subscribe in whatever podcast application you choose. And, you know, there's a lot more episodes coming down the pipe, but there's also more episodes that you can get if you become a Patreon supporter because you get additional content as a Patreon supporter, but you also get bonus episodes. So additional content in this episode. So every week you'll get additional content from the, the, the weekly episodes, but you'll get bonus episodes as well and a bunch of other goodies. Head over to patreon.com slash productivityist and you can check out those there. That's it for this week. Big thanks to John Poultra, my podcast producer for putting things together and big thanks to all of you for listening. That's it for this week. I'm Mike Vardy, the founder of Productivityist, productivity strategist and host of the show reminding you to stop guessing and start going.